Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Ken Wyrock, Matthew Betts, and Matt Okada. Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Kent Wyrock, joined by Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. I'll say your names in the right order this week so I don't confuse people. I figure I'll take it easier on you guys in that regard. But, uh, hey, free agency is here. Today is March 13th, and, boy, this week has been nuts. What do you guys think? Have you been enjoying uh, all the news and stuff this week? Yeah, uh, this week has been amazing every night the phone is blowing up there's trades there's signings it's such a fun time of year uh, i know okada you're probably busy as heck over there uh with nfl network and all the free agency frenzy going on so you must be working some pretty long hours yeah i've been uh, i've been working our live shows and it's it's been kind of sad because every day the biggest news seems to break right after i leave <laughs> you get the alert so. on your phone on the way home Yes, yes. I spent the whole day getting excited about like the the small time guys, and then I leave, and suddenly Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell. What do you mean this just happened after I'm gone? Oh my God, this whole that whole saga has been incredible. But tell you what, let's not waste any time. There's plenty of stuff to talk about in the news today, so let's jump into it. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing. And listen. All right, we got trades to talk about. And uh, before we jump into the free agency section of this show, we should talk talk about the guys that got traded that might cause a little bit of a wave around the league. So up first, uh, let's talk about the one that happened first. Really big, Antonio Brown traded to the Raiders for a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick. Uh, it's going to be a three-year, $50 million contract, 30 of which is guaranteed for the Raiders. He gets a new contract out of the deal. So uh, good, pay ta- good payday for Antonio Brown, who is actually uh, north of 30 now. So uh, it's nice to see receivers who are still at the top of their game getting paid good money. And this is an exciting trade. Yeah, it's uh, it was the biggest blockbuster, I feel like, in a while until a certain other thing happened that we'll get to. But, uh, uh, man, it must suck to be a Steelers fan right now. I mean, Yes, absolutely. You, this is just rough. They did not get, I, I don't think, anywhere near fair compensation, and it, it's because he wanted out, and they didn't want to keep him around because it was too much of a toxic environment, as far as I can tell. And so they sold him for a bargain price. I think the Raiders won out big on this. Yeah, I love this move from the Raiders and, and what make Mike Mayock is doing over there in his first season as GM. Like you said, the compensation that the Steelers got was probably not what they were shooting for, obviously, the third and fifth round pick. The other thing to consider here, too, is they still are going to have to pay $21 million against the cap because of, of the contract of Antonio Brown. So, yeah, the Steelers, I feel like, really lost out on this one. And, you know, obviously now we got to talk about what it means for fantasy. Yeah, so I think... The, my questions are, who who are the biggest winners and losers from a fantasy perspective? Because I feel like almost everyone's value changes a little bit. Out of this, well, I mean, if, if it might honestly change Derek Carr the most, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I don't think Antonio Brown's stats are going to be too much different. They might, they're probably going to drop down uh, from what he was getting in Pittsburgh, but I don't think it's going to be ridiculous. 
Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster had a great season last year, so I don't think him stepping into the one really changes much. James Washington probably gets a bump, but uh, Derek Carr, with this trade and uh, you know a couple other things that happen later, I think he has a significant upgrade here, and he could actually post a season like he did a couple years ago. Didn't he have like a top 10 finish just uh, one or two years ago? And uh, I think he could return to that, honestly, with Gruden there. Yeah, he had that one season where he was kind of in the MVP race, and then he got yeah. injured. So people people kind of overlooked that. I think I I I think he's an above, slightly above average quarterback. So this could be big. Yeah, I think this definitely kind of resurrects his fantasy value for sure. Anytime you add a weapon like Antonio Brown, obviously it has to. Um, I think for Brown, obviously it's a bit of a you know a downgrade because of what he and Big Ben had in terms of their relationship on the field. Obviously off the field, apparently it was different, but on the field, you know, he was the go-to guy in almost all all situations, especially in the red zone. Uh, when you look at what the Raiders have done historically, you know, they haven't had someone with over 150 targets in, I think, six years or something like that. So uh, that's what Antonio Brown is used to getting. We'll see if that balances out. Obviously, a different coaching staff uh, over those six years, but now we have Gruden. You know, I did a little research kind of just looking back at what he did with some big-time players um, previously in his tenure, when you look at what he did with Jerry Rice when he was 39 years old in 2001, which was crazy, uh, Rice put up 83 receptions, 1,139 yards, and nine touchdowns. Um, so, you know, he knows how to use these veteran receivers that are Hall of Famers and, and are, you know, great players. So I think it's possible that Antonio Brown goes down a little bit, but I don't think it's a huge downgrade based off of the fact that he's going from the Steelers to the Raiders if they use him the right way. Yeah, the one guy I think that does get a huge downgrade, probably the biggest, is Big Ben. I, I mean, he was a, he was QB three last year. The, depending on the format that you use, he he had a great low key great year with over five. He led the league in he, passing yards. He didn't feel like QB three. No, that he makes didn't. Sense. Yeah, but he had he over five thousand yards. Yeah, he was crazy good, and AB was a huge part of that. Now he goes from AB and Juju to Juju and a smattering of hopefuls at best. So I think he drops probably well out of the QB1 conversation. I don't know how draftable he is in redraft. Yeah, and, and just to put that in perspective, Okada, I went back and looked at Big Ben's splits throughout his career with and without Antonio Brown, up, or Antonio Brown in the lineup, I should say. Um, in PPR, half PPR formats or standard quarterback scoring, he's down almost 4.5 points per game. His passing touchdowns are down by about 0.4 per game. Um, and his pass uh, completions goes down by about Eight. So it definitely changes, wow. uh, and it's a big factor. So, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Big downgrade for Big Ben. That's crazy. Point, well, yeah, there's exciting things happening in Oakland and soon-to-be Las Vegas. Uh, so that's definitely going to be something we're all watching. But up next, another big trade, probably one of the only ones that could have been bigger than the, the Antonio Brown trade. Odell Beckham gets traded to the Cleveland Browns. Oh my God, am I excited for the Browns this year? I think I, I think they're like clear division winners. Is that like is that bold to say? Maybe I don't not think clear. So. I Maybe don't saying think it's bold. they're clear is bold, but I think they have a good chance of it. I don't even think clear is bold. I think they're the favorites. I mean, it's not like Patriots level of favorites where the, everyone else in their division hardly competes because the Ravens should be strong and the Steelers despite losing two great players have two decent players left in their spot so I don't think they're going to fall off a cliff 
But I think the Browns are the best team on paper in that division. I think the only thing that could keep them from winning the division would be if Freddie Kitchens turned out to be a really bad head coach. And I don't really think that's going to be the case. So, yeah, this is... I, I, I almost wish, in a strange way, that I didn't have a football team so that I could just be a Browns fan starting right now. Oh, they're my number so fun out there. They're my number two team without a doubt. I mean, that's no question at this point. Now, from at least from a real NFL perspective, the Browns fleeced the Giants on oh this one. Gosh, I mean, that... Odell Beckham is such a valuable asset and they got him for next to nothing. The 17th overall pick, Jabril Peppers and then the 95th overall pick. Just just a horse race of a trade here for the Browns, and, and I love it for them. Yeah, there's been some fun stuff going around on social media of <laughs> pictures or memes of when uh, Gettleman and I'm blanking on his name, Dorsey, Dorsey, Dorsey were sitting yep. at the combine, and, and the meme says, the guy who's playing Dynasty the first year that you go after for trades. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with you, Kent. I feel bad for, for Giant fans out there because, yeah, this is, uh, this is an ugly one. Well done uh, for the Browns. Yeah, if, if if you were feeling bad for Steelers fans, oh my goodness, that compares not at all to what I feel for Giants fans. It is just so rough out there. How how well Dorsey has handled these last few years for the Browns is how badly Gettleman has handled these last two years for the Giants. They're just headed in the completely wrong direction. It's very unfortunate. Yeah. Okay. So fantasy fallout. Um... I, Baker Mayfield is like my top three quarterback. I don't think there's any chance he's any lower than that uh, for me this year. I know I I always like to go to the quarterback first, especially on wide receiver signings uh, and trades and such. But I love him this year. I think Odell's going to be great. Jarvis Landry could probably be a wide receiver two to three. Um, at On the Giants' side, yeah, Armageddon. I mean, nothing left there, really. Do you, do you guys like anyone on the Giants right now? Maybe Evan Ingram? I, I mean, I think Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard have to gain uh, a little bit of value from what they were. And Barkley, of course, is fine. Yeah, probably. Uh, I don't. Barkley might Maybe. be lateral we'll because see. that the offense as a whole is going to get worse because Beckham helped carry that offense. Maybe not quite as much as Saquon did in just this past year, but they were almost equal parts carrying this offense. So if that whole offense gets worse, I think that's worse for Barkley. So it might balance out with his touches. But yeah, Ingram and Shepard, they look kind of good. And and I 100% agree with you on Baker. I'm probably going to have to look at putting him number two in Dynasty behind Mahomes. It's mm-hmm. going to be close between him and Rodgers for me. Yeah I, yeah, I agree with you guys there for sure. I put out a, a red shirts report uh, last night on Twitter with my immediate reaction. And right after doing it I in the video, I said, you know, Baker's now a top eight quarterback this year. And then I thought about it and I said, that is way too low, and I went back and updated <laughs> my rankings for, for next year. I moved him up to number three, uh, which you can all find on redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. Um, mm. so, oh, yeah. So I agree, man. I think huge news for Baker. I kind of posed it in my video about this signing that for Saquon, you know, he was only third in the league in, in terms of running back receptions last year, only behind James White, Christian McCaffrey. If they don't add other weapons and, you know, other name big-name players to take some pressure off of him, he could easily be the number one um, scoring fantasy back because of his receptions alone with Eli just dumping it off three and four yards every time. So uh, I think in general more of a lateral move for him. Yeah, I was going to say, Saquon Barkley is going to have a 4,000-yard season with (laughs) 4,001-yard dump-off passes (laughs) where he gets tackled immediately afterwards because they are just honing in on him. 
no, but I think like a, like you were saying, Barkley's fine. I think Evan Ingram will have a good target share, so he could be tolerable in this uh, wasteland of tight end talent. So something to keep an eye on. Sterling Shepard, I have almost no interest in right now. They're probably going to draft a wide receiver, so uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Things, of course, will change over the offseason, uh, but that's an exciting one. Odell on the Browns. And then up last for our trade section of today's show, uh, Deshaun Jackson, well, first he – wanted to be released according to his Instagram. And then almost immediately afterwards, he got traded to the Eagles. Uh, three years, $27 million contract. He returns, uh, and then he'll get to play with Carson Wentz. So that'll be kind of nice. Yeah, I think this is a great move for the Eagles. Um, I think Tampa Bay is going to be a little bit sad about it, and we'll see if they add anyone else because they lost a couple receivers in this free agency period but for the Eagles this gives them a speed deep threat and for anyone who thinks by the way that Deshaun Jackson is old and has lost a step he is not he's still burning coverage he had the highest yards per reception last year I think on a minimum of 30 catches um, in the entire NFL so he's going to stretch that that whole offense out I think it's going to be good for Carson it's going to be good for him Uh, and it's it's going to open things up in Tampa Bay for at least Chris Godwin, if not also O.J. Howard. So it's kind of a win all around. Yeah, I agree. I, I love this move, especially as an Eagles fan. Obviously, great years with Deshaun Jackson in Philly. Uh, things kind of had a falling out, but their union is, I think, going to be great, like you said, for Wentz. They've looked for someone to take the top off the defense for the past few years, and they really haven't found that guy, and, and he will do that for sure. I love this for Zach Ertz. I love this for Alshon Jeffrey. Um, they're going to be able to work underneath with Deshaun Jackson taking the top off the defense. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, win all around uh, for both teams. Carson Wentz has some great receiving options now, a good rounded-out receiving core even through the tight ends. So it's always good to see a guy who's considered you know a good dynasty kind of wide receiver um, has some injury concerns, but I think he has a really bright future, and this setup is going to be a, a good continuation of that. So uh, we don't really have much to talk about as far as injuries. There hasn't been much on that front so far. So tell you what, let's just jump right into the free agent frenzy. Oh, my God. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Everybody calm down. I tell you what, I was not calm uh, this entire week starting Monday as soon as those reports started coming about coming out about guys you know, committing. It was the legal tampering period. There's a two-day window where teams could talk to players and kind of get agree, uh, agree on terms before the actual signing day, which was today at 4 o'clock Eastern. So we have had a few deals come in. We've kind of got some concrete ones here we can talk about. Let's uh, let's start with the quarterback position. Just go down, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. We'll talk about them last because everyone will be out before then. Uh, it wasn't a very good tight end year, I'll tell you that much. But the big news on the quarterback front, Nick Foles was signed by the Jaguars. Four years, $88 million. And as a subsequent move, the Jaguars then released quarterback Blake Bortles. That was just like an hour ago. So this is very recent stuff. Uh Lots to unpack here. Do you think this is a good move, first of all, for the Jaguars or for Nick Foles? From an NFL franchise perspective, I think it's a terrible move for the Jaguars. I think Nick Foles is good-ish. I do not think he's great. I think that in one to two more years, they're going to have continued to be 500 at best. 
He's not going to win them a championship, and he's going to be gone, and there's going to be a lot of dead money. I'm not a fan. I think we talked on the last pod about how I wanted to see Teddy go there instead. For Nick Foles, it's also a loss, I think. I mean, not from a financial standpoint. He makes money, so yeah, it's a win there. for him. <laughs> yeah, that's a definitely a good point. From a fantasy standpoint, I mean, obviously, he goes from being technically a backup to being a starter, so in that sense, it's good. But the Jaguars do not have a pass-focused or pass-helpful offense. They have a smattering of maybe low-end wide receiver two type guys. That's NFL wide receiver twos, by the way, not fantasy wide receiver twos. They're like wide receiver fours for fantasy. Um, and they're gonna want to they're gonna want to run the ball through Leonard Fournette. So I don't even know how useful he is in like Superflex or QB two or two QB formats. He's probably a backup to your backup. I don't know. I'm not loving it. Yeah, I I think I largely agree with that. I think we'll have some streamable weeks um, with some good matchups here and there. We'll probably talk about him on our waiver pods at some point throughout the year in terms of redraft. Um, I agree with you mostly there, Okada. I will say, too, when you look at what brought success to Nick Foles' game when he was with the Eagles was the run-pass option and made it very easy for him to hit those quick slants, um, find Zach Ertz, you know, find Alshon Jeffrey on those quick slants. And he took a lot of snaps out of the shotgun or the pistol because of that. They don't do that as much in Jacksonville. And last time we saw him primarily play under center, uh, granted it was a long time ago and it was a different time of of the NFL with different coaches, um, was in St. Louis. So, you know, I don't know that this is necessarily the best fit for him from a scheme perspective. He'll have to learn that again. Um, I agree. Kind of a, a meh signing for me. Yeah, and to be frank, I I, I just kind of went through and looked at all the skill position depth chart for for every single team, and boy, the Jacksonville Jaguars is is lacking. Uh, Leonard Fournette obviously is the top of the list, but he's he's not much of a pass catcher. He's kind of run it up the middle, and then you know they lost T.J. Yeldon. They have average at best receivers. Marquise Lee's coming back, but even he's just okay. Uh, their tight end situation is bleak at best. I, it just it's it doesn't look good. I don't think the Jaguars are going to be a team uh, that's trying to make the playoffs this year. So, you know, they could have a good draft and maybe things will change a little bit, but I really doubt it. And yeah, I can, I'm kind of with you. He'd probably be on my bottom five quarterbacks this year for starters. Yeah. And from from looking at the receivers really quick, because I think that's kind of a useful. Uh, move from a fantasy perspective is what does this do anything for the Jaguars receivers to me the thing that Foles did best was throw the ball up in nice deep downfield contested catch type situations mainly where Alshon Jeffrey could go up and get it and so if you have a guy like that who's big and can make those those 50-50 ball catches he's aggressive and he's useful in that way for receivers but the Jaguars do not have anyone like that. I, I just looked through the three guys, uh, Marquise, Didi, and DJ Chark, and they're all decently fast, but none of them is even 200 pounds or over 6'2". So uh, I think that I I don't see any of these guys being even wide receiver twos, probably not even wide receiver threes for fantasy. I think it's just going to kind of get spread between the, the three of them, and you're not going to get much value. Yeah, and they also have Keelan Cole, and he kind of is similar. He's under 200. He's 6'1", so he's probably one of the bigger ones. But 
he was he didn't look good last year to be perfectly honest everyone kind of expected him to pick up a role there and it did not turn out well granted with Blake Bortles and uh who's the other quarterback they had uh um Kessler, Cody another. Kessler I think uh Cody Kessler thank you it just wasn't that good so uh I don't really look forward to much going on here you have any more uh thoughts on Nick Foles signing here or Blake Bortles and where he might go I mean, he unless the, the Dolphins can sneak <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater away from the Saints, who kind of recommitted, but officially we have not seen that be uh, confirmed. So unless the Dolphins can sneak him away, I feel like they kind of have to go get Bortles. Because hmm. yeah, there's no one else out there. From my understanding, Teddy is in fact in Miami right now, and he was doing a visit with them, so... Uh, we'll probably get some more news on that this this week, later this week or so. So uh, next time we record, by the way, I should mention next week we're hoping to have a follow up conversation about some free agents that we haven't talked about on this show. We're talking about the big ones today. We'll follow up next week and talk about that, and then we'll talk about some winners and losers uh, as far as teams go and players for fantasy situations. So maybe maybe we'll get to talk about Teddy or Blake on the next episode. Uh, also, real quick, I'll just mention, this really has no fantasy relevance, but Tyrod Taylor signed to the Chargers for two years as a backup to Phillip Rivers. I almost don't care at all. <laughs> um, so in that case, let's go ahead and move on over to the running back position. Obviously, the big name, the big Twitter drama, Le'Veon Bell, finally gets signed to the New York Jets. Four years, 52 and a half million dollars he did not get a deal that was quite as good as the Steelers were offering as far as average value goes but uh, he does get some guaranteed money out of it you know he's got he's had a year off of football he's nice and rested maybe he's a little overweight you know I don't know if you saw those pictures of him on a jet ski in Miami last year but I did yeah I don't know we'll see what yeah what so what do you think Le'Veon Bell on the Jets is this is this the same for him or is it better or worse what do you think way worse 100% 100% way worse. worse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okada's talked about it, and, and you know we've all kind of agreed on previous episodes where we've said, okay, Le'Veon Bell has benefited so much from what Pittsburgh offers offers him um, with the scheme, with the offensive line. And the Jets' offensive line last year was downright awful. Uh, according to Football Outsiders, they were dead last in 2018 in terms of offensive line uh, rushing, uh, blocking, run blocking. Um, that's not good not good they give you a rate on there which they call the stuff rate which is either stopped at or behind the line of scrimmage and that happened 26.1 percent of the time so every four carries even more than that Le'Veon Bell is going for zero or negative yards uh it's not good I think this is definitely a, a huge downgrade and I personally will have Bell probably ranked as a high-end RB2 rather than you know the top five option he is other years yeah i was gonna ask if you guys would keep him in at the back end of our breaking news uh uh, so the miami dolphins have just tweeted out that they have finished their free agent visit with teddy bridgewater and no contract was signed so we will wait a little bit longer i just wanted to kind of yeah i I had to string you along a little bit on that one um but i thought that was just timely so i thought i'd do that but anyway go ahead uh Okada, you were saying something about Bell? Yeah, I was going to ask you guys whether you think he would still stay at the back end of the RB1 ranks, and Betts kind of said, no, I also think he'll slip out of there for me. And uh, 
to hit on what he said, what Beth said a little bit more, kind of that run stuff stat you mentioned is really telling because I feel like for Bell, and this is the reason that we talked about previously, Bell being a really good fit with a really good offensive line, it's going to be worse for him. That that run stuff rate is going to get worse because that is with a guy who is maybe a more average runner that kind of goes straight forward and tries to get what's what's there and push a pile or whatever. And Le'Veon Bell is going to sit there behind this line and try to dance and do his patience thing. And 15 guys are going to come straight through the line, four of them being his own player's butts. And <laughs> I was going to ask where that stuffed. math was coming from, Okada. <laughs> yeah, it's four offensive linemen's butts and the whole rest of the defense. So the butt fumble right through the line. will return to the Jets is what you're saying. <laughs> exactly, yes. Science, mark it down. But yeah, I think this is gonna be this is gonna be rough for him, and it's also rough for him financially. I I feel like he kind of might feel a little bit embarrassed right now because he got a lot less money than he was asking for publicly and loudly, and of course lost the fifteen-ish mil from sitting out last year. So it's messy. So I I agree with you guys in concept. My only issue here is that I don't know if I can pick out twelve names that I can guarantee will be better than Le'Veon Bell. I think that's the only thing that's stopping me from agreeing with you there. Um, yeah, I, okay. it'd be he's right on that fringe. He's right okay. on that RB1, RB2 fringe. But, Hold on. Uh, I'm oh, going to pull him up really quick. We're going to talk yeah, down so names. Let's do okay, a little okay. exercise. Sure, Dalvin yeah. Cook, Dalvin Cook or Le'Veon Bell? Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook. David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell? David Cook. Uh, David Johnson. <laughs> Johnson. Okay. Damian Williams... Which I don't. We're probably not going to talk about Carlos Hyde here, but they signed Carlos Hyde, so Damian Williams with that in mind, or Le'Veon Bell. Oh, Le'Veon Bell by a mile. I would go okay. Le'Veon there as well. All right, Aaron Jones, Leonard Fournette, Marlon Mack, Nick Chubb. Do you take any of those guys over Le'Veon Bell? Mar uh, at the moment, Marlon Mack. I would take Nick Chubb. Nick okay, Chubb. So uh, yeah, I, yeah, that's close with Kareem Hunt there. That's a little bit sketchier. All right, so if you take two of those guys, Le'Veon falls out of the top 12. If you only take one of those two guys, he's literally mm. 12th. So yeah, yeah so like I said, right on right that on edge. The line. Yep. Yeah, that's fair. All right, well, uh, you know, we'll, we'll move through. I do want to talk about Hyde real quick. So, Or not right now, but we'll go through a few here and we'll get to them. Uh, up next, let's talk about Mark Ingram, though. He signed with the Baltimore Ravens three years, $15 million. He will be kind of, you know, Moving into the Gus Edwards, I guess, role. Uh, he'll he'll be catching some passes too. He, I think he's instantly the lead running back in this backfield, no question. Uh, do you guys think anyone challenges him, or do you think I don't know? And what do you think about his landing in Baltimore? Personally, out of all the signings, I think probably in this entire list, I think that Mark Ingram wins most as far as just a player who's actually getting signed. There's other places where the player's movement affects someone else really positively, like Odell going to help Baker. But in this case, as far as the guy getting signed for his value, I think Ingram's value skyrockets with this move. I think he 100% takes over this backfield. He's a better Gus Edwards who can also catch passes, which Gus really did not. And this team is going to run the ball 450 times, probably. <laughs> Uh, and so he's going to get 275 of those plus maybe he's going to, I would not be surprised to see him lead running backs in, in carries maybe behind like Zeke. Yeah. I think the carries there is really where, 
what is going to bring value to Mark Ingram in 2019 with the Ravens because you know over the past two years he's only averaged about 14 carries a game in 2017 and then 11 and a half uh, last year with Alvin Kamara in the lineup so yeah I think that number absolutely jumps up somewhere close to 20 uh, per game but I will say I might disagree with you guys a little bit in terms of the passing game because last year we saw that running back um, as a core the running back position for the Ravens from week 11 on when Lamar Jackson became the starter they only caught 17 passes um, over those final you know two months of the season which is an average of about two receptions per game so I don't love the receiving aspect for any running back that would have signed there it's not a knock knock on Ingram uh, but I do like the fact that his carry count is going to skyrocket now I have a challenge to your challenge Ooh, uh, because go. the Baltimore Ravens last year were a very grinded out, heavy defense, heavy running team. Well, their defense just got gutted, and I don't think they're going to be able to do that quite as much last year. They're going to want to open up the game with Lamar Jackson because if they don't, they are going to be struggling to win games this year and struggling to get in the playoffs. So I think they need to include more passing going into this year versus last year. I agree that last year they did not pass a lot. And uh, Gus Edwards didn't really touch the ball at all. He only had two receptions as a Raven. So I yeah. think there should be more compared to last year. But you're right. It might not be as much as in uh, New Orleans. Yeah. No, that, that definitely makes sense. With that being said, if that is their plan, they need to get out there and draft a top-notch wide receiver in round one because – Willie Sneed right now is, is their wide receiver once. So they've got yeah. some, oh, some God, big time it's issues. So gross. <laughs> I, I looked at the two guys behind him, and I just had no idea. I mean, I kind of recognized their names. It was Jordan Lasley and Jaleel Scott. I'm like, who are these guys? Um, pretty crazy. They're going to draft a wide receiver almost for sure, or I suppose could trade for one, but I wouldn't I wouldn't think they would prefer that, considering I, I, I see this as a strong wide receiver class. Yeah, I seem to recall Travis May of uh, multiple different places, but we knew him from TFA being a big fan of Lasley. So I'll have to look into that a little bit and see if he has okay. dynasty value. But yeah, they're going to have to address his defense now because of what how many pieces they lost. But other than that, they should get a couple wide receivers in the first couple days of the draft, I would think. Because they have one of the worst cores in the league, and I think Lamar Jackson needs good capable reliable receivers so that he can grow as a passer for sure all right let's go ahead and swing on over to tevin coleman who really just signed uh, a few hours ago i mean it was this afternoon or evening basically when he signed with the san francisco 49ers and this what? this is chalking up to be probably the worst fantasy signing of the offseason he got two years 10 million dollars and he will join the backfield with Jarek mckinnon and matt burita which, that sucks. I mean, I, I just don't know who to pick right now. I, I'm sure Matt Burita is going to be third uh, on this list, but I don't think he's not involved in the offense. So what are your thoughts on this signing? Do you think this is going to be McKinnon's job still? Or I don't know, where yet? If he's on the roster, I mean, there's a potential out in his contract. It's kind of a net neutral in terms of what they have to pay him if he's on the roster versus the dead cap. I think it's like five and three quarters million if he's there and six in dead cap if he's not. So uh, it's it's kind of equaled out there. But uh, if he gets cut, obviously that's huge for Tevin Coleman. But publicly, uh, Shanahan was just defending McKinnon a few days ago in the media. So I definitely think those two are the top two options there. I don't know if one's going to be a 1A or a 1B, or if they're both just going to split it evenly. I think Breda is the biggest loser 
here for sure. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I think for Coleman, we were all hoping that he would go somewhere where he could be given the chance to be the lead guy. Uh, and this definitely is a, a messy situation for fantasy. I, I agree with that. Yeah, the the kind of media hype that Betts was talking about was back right at the end of February, and Shanahan said that McKinnon was slated to be the lead back, in quotes. Yeah. So that was looking really, really good for him. And, okay, this is my thought on this. This is a really, really interesting one, this signing, because, A, I think it's a big gap between NFL value and fantasy value. I think this is a really good NFL move. And one of the reasons that it is is because of what Kyle Shanahan has shown that he can do with his running backs. He really uses running backs well, especially guys who are versatile and explosive, which is why I think he went out and probably stumped to get Tevin Coleman, who he coached uh, a few years back when he was the OC for the Falcons. Here's the here's the one place where I'm a little hesitant to to cry my eyeballs out on this is back when he was with the Falcons and he had Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, both of them were fantasy relevant. And Coleman was less, but Freeman was so relevant, he was the RB1 one of those years. So I'm I'm not quite ready to kill Jarek McKinnon's value completely. I don't think he's going to be the RB1, but I think it's possible that Shanahan's scheme is just so good and this offense is actually potentially looking like one of the bigger breakout offenses that both of these guys could have pretty solid value we'll see well you you stole all my talking points I I was gonna say that almost to a T so well done I agree with you (laughs) on every facet there um yeah I was just gonna say the same thing I think McKinnon steps in as the Freeman and Coleman just becomes the Coleman nice and easy it's the same name and everything it's even the same person no um (laughs) Yeah, I think this is good for Shanahan and this backfield and the team. So uh, we'll see how that shakes out. I I still don't know for sure who's going to be there, and I I have no interest in Matt Breed at all as far as fantasy goes. Not not draftable Agreed. at this point in time. Yeah, and just one more quick thing to point out, Kent, before we move on. Um, Ito Smith definitely gets a little bit of a bump here. I think everyone thought Coleman was going to be gone. Now we just confirm that as of now, assuming nothing changes with the draft, they could draft someone. But Ido Smith immediately slides into that number two role uh, behind Devonta Freeman, who we're going to talk about a lot this offseason. I am pretty concerned about from an injury perspective with his knee issues. Mm. So uh, Ido Smith, definitely a guy to keep an eye out. Uh, might be a sneaky buy in a, in a dynasty format. Completely agree. Let's swing on over to Latavius Murray, who is no longer a Viking, and he is now with the Saints. And Uh, Kent rejoiced. Yeah, I did rejoice, honestly. (laughs) Um, One of the reasons I took Dalvin Cook earlier over Le'Veon Bell also. But anyway, back to focus here. Uh, Four years, $14 million contract. He will be assuming basically the Mark Ingram role, Uh, probably a little bit different because – which actually Latavius Murray is more athletic than Mark Ingram was. So it'd be interesting to see how he gets used there. But – uh, great offense, you know, Drew Brees working with Alvin Kamara, good offensive line, great coach, great offensive coordinator. Everything's good there for fantasy. So Latavius Murray, are you going to draft him? I think he has to be drafted. Agreed. Yeah, I think he's uh, going to be one of the highest value handcuffs um, that there's going to be on the market and might have like flex week starter value. Uh, or, or flex value in your bye weeks um, because th- this offense, he's going to score touchdowns. It might be, you know, five or six, but that's not that bad if you're looking at a flex 
you know, replacement in your bye week. So he's definitely going to be draftable. The, the biggest effect, I think, and Kent touched on it briefly, was Dalvin Cook. Because that that's it now. It's Dalvin Cook. Uh, unless you're talking about those, what is it, Rock Thomas or something? Uh, Mike uh, Boone. No, Rock Thomas got into trouble. Yeah, okay, yeah. there you go. So it's all Dalvin Cook out there in Minnesota now. That's really big for him, I think. He has definite RB1 value, if not top five. Well, I tell you what, let's let, I know I want to talk about all this stuff too. Let's hold on to stuff like that for the winners and losers portion uh, that we're going to do on the next episode. We could talk about fallout that's kind of related to the signings, but not directly. So lots of good stuff to talk about. But um, yeah, no, I think Latavius Murray is going to be good uh, for New Orleans. I think he's going to have, like you said, those flex weeks uh, sometimes, probably some DFS plays. More than a reliable redraft player, I'd have no. Eh, that, as far as dynasty goes, I don't think I want to like go get him or anything. You know, he's probably just going to be there, and people are going to want too much for him now. That he's on the Saints, so I'll probably just leave him in dynasty. But um, real quick, let's talk about Carlos Hyde because I think we're going to have a disagreement here uh, based on what I heard earlier. He signed with the Chiefs one year, two point eight million dollars, and then this was actually before the the whole tampering period because he was released. Uh, last week, so he was signed a few days before this all started going down. But uh, it is, in my opinion, that Carlos Hyde will be the lead running back for the Chiefs this next year. Wow! I, I think you're the only I, person I, that I don't I've heard say that. And I and I honestly, I'm surprised because Carlos Hyde, compared to Damian Williams, at least has done it all. He's done it more often. He's done it for a few years. Damian Williams, his career stat line is not large he doesn't have a a robust record of being able to do this at at a complete level uh being a three down back or anything of that nature I think Carlos Hyde brings more to the table in that regard and will probably get more rushing attempts I I see this as I I think he could be the early down back and then Damian Williams is more of the third down back that's the way I see it right now Damian Williams could have good PPR value of course but I, I think the person who gets the most rushing attempts for sure is Carlos Hyden, probably touches too. Yeah, so this is a tough one kind of to break down because like you're saying, and you're 100% right, the track record goes 100% to Carlos Hyde. He's been an RB1 for fantasy, let alone an RB1 in his team, a couple different times in not too far in the distant past. But if you look, if you if you watch these two guys last year, in my opinion, Damon Williams looked a lot better. Now, to be fair, he got plopped into one of the best offenses in the league and certainly an offense that turns running backs into some of the best running backs in the league, whereas Carlos Hyde got traded midseason to an absolute dumpster fire of a Jaguars team and looked like trash. So <laughs> it's kind of tough to sift through that and really determine who's better. I'm still leaning Damian Williams here. I think both should be drafted. It certainly does not leave Damian Williams in the RB1 conversation. I think that he was in. Maybe he drops to the back end of the top 15 or top 20, uh, depending on what we see kind of throughout the season or the the preseason. This is going to be probably among all these signings, the the one to watch the most as the offseason progresses. If we get reports out of camp that Carlos Hyde looks really good, that they see him as the potential starter, uh, you know he gets more action in the preseason games that count and then sits and Damian Williams comes in, that's going to really have a huge impact on where these guys should be drafted. So this is going to be one to watch kind of as the next few months roll along. 
Yeah, so even in those those three games, well, okay, uh, so let's put it this way, including the playoffs, which technically we can do, he only got more than 13 rushing attempts once out of five games that he started. So they never really see him as a rusher. And granted, yes, they have Pat Mahomes and they're going to throw a lot. But Carlos Hyde, I think, can bring more to the table as a guy who can put up 18 to 20 rushing attempts in a game compared to uh, Damian Williams. Do you think it's a, a situation where they might both have value? Like, I don't know. I'm finding a hard comparison. Maybe like a, a Giovanni Bernard and Joe Mixon kind of thing. Not quite um, a Sony Michelle and James White, but somewhere in those kinds of ranges. Some somewhere in that kind of range. I think they can both be relevant. I think Carlos Hyde could easily have with the Chiefs like a ten touchdown year, no problem. Like I, I don't see that as being much of an issue. I I think that. If they're not passing, they're going to have Carlos Hyde in on the goal line, near the goal line. So, you know, on touchdowns alone, kind of what he was doing for the Browns last year before he got traded, he was relevant, and he was doing pretty dang good regardless of his inefficiencies uh, of rushing attempts. He still put up fantasy greatness uh, just about running back one, I think, in that time uh, because of the touchdowns. And I think the Kansas City Chiefs is another great place for him to have that opportunity. But uh, anyway, I think we've had a good little chat here about the running backs. So let's go ahead and swing on over to the wide receivers. Now, we kind of talked about uh, on the pre the free agency preview episode that the wide receiver class is really not that great, but we've had a few interesting signings, so let's talk about them real quick here. Uh, curious what your guys' thoughts are. I, I think I should just mention quick, probably the top wide receiver free agent, Golden Tate, has not been signed yet. I haven't really heard much of anything about him, so... Hopefully, by the time we record next week, we can have a little bit more news there and something to talk about. But other than him, I think I think the biggest signing is uh, Tyrell Williams going to the Raiders. I, I don't know. Uh, it's four years, $44 million. So he got a good chunk of money for a guy who's been kind of a number two solely for his career up until this point. But uh, he's going to be paired up with Antonio Brown and Jordy Nelson, and we're kind of talking about that a little bit earlier. Do you guys – have any interest in Tyrell Williams in Oakland as Las Vegas eventually? Oh man, this one sucked. I was really excited for Tyrell Williams. I think more than a lot of other people, I wanted him to go somewhere and be a strong outside receiver. This is doo doo. I th- this is so bad. The first of all, Antonio Brown is now there. So if he had gone there without Antonio Brown, it might have been slightly more interesting. Even then, though, I wouldn't have loved it because he's a deep threat. That is what he does best. And Derek Carr, that is not what he does best. He, he would rather <laughs> throw the behind the line of scrimmage he than 20 yards downfield. <laughs> so I think this is a really bad for Tyrell Williams. I don't think it's a great move for the Raiders, which is surprising because most of their moves have been great. I would have rather seen them go get a, a good slot guy like Golden Tate. Uh, so Yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan for fantasy. It's It's rough. Do you guys think that he plays outside, or do you think Jordy goes outside and, and Tyrell goes into the slot? I would guess they slide Jordy into the slot because he's old and slow. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I would kind of agree with that. He's already got some experience playing slot anyway, yeah, I, so... Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing seeing Jordy kind of assume a Larry Fitzgerald type of role late in his career um, with the other two guys working the outside. Yeah, I agree, Okada. Definitely not a, a fan of this signing from a fantasy perspective. Um, there was so many places that Tyrell could have gone that would have boosted his value. This is one of few that I think uh, decreases it. So, you know, if you bought, an, it, bought him in Dynasty hoping for a big bump in value, unfortunately, I don't think that that happened. 
Now, and I just looked this up, so this is honestly surprising to me as well. What if I told you that last year Derek Carr was fourth in deep passing accuracy by PFF? Fourth, 49%, only three people were above 50, uh, Drew Brees, Baker Mayfield, and Pat Mahomes. And that sounds like pretty decent company. Now, does maybe, that not, Ken, does that maybe for they just didn't have a I've... good deep receiver, and now that they have one in Tyrell Williams, it could be a little bit better. Yeah, does that account for run after the catch, or are, the, are those passes thrown down the field air that, yards? Are, that are caught air yards? Uh, yeah. So it is targeted 20 yards or more Okay, is wow. the definition for deep passing for them. Oh Yeah, so what I would say to that is it's not too shocking to me because I think Derek Carr is pretty accurate. My concern is what his attempts down the field would have been. I, I'd be curious to see that. And so that's a good point. I did cherry pick this just a little bit to make it more interesting, <laughs> but he he had um, not as many deep passing attempts as those other guys. So he's definitely yeah. a little bit lower as far as the attempts go and how often he's going to chuck it deep. But uh, you never know. That could go up with a guy like Tyrell there. Interesting. Yeah, I like, I like that stat there, Ken. At least it gives any Tyrell Williams truthers out there at least a little bit of hope. So I like it. It's hope. I mean, he'll probably have, you know, like three or four games where he has like a 70-yard touchdown. So uh, just try and guess which one those are, and good luck. Let's uh, let's swing on over to John Brown, another speedster who got signed by the Buffalo Bills. Uh, three years, $28 million. Could there have been much of a better team to player matchup here as far as Josh Allen goes and Smokey Brown burning on the outside? I don't think so. For, I like this yeah, signing Yeah, for a Josh lot. Allen, this is great. Yeah, I like it. I like that those two are going to pair up with both of their strengths. Josh Allen can throw the football over the mountains. John Brown can run really, really fast. So uh, <laughs> I love that combination there for sure. Yeah, it, I I wanted to see him, and we talked about this, go to the Bucks. I think that would have been really good for the Bucks. But this is really good for for. Uh, for John Brown, because he's probably going to be one of the best receivers, if not the best receiver on that team, and I think good for Josh Allen because of his deep ball uh, skills. John Brown is a guy who can go run under it. I mean, he could, jo- Josh Allen could just throw it 50 yards in the air and 50 yards downfield, and then John Brown can run around and get under the ball, and there you go. You have a touchdown. So, it's not yeah. bad. Um. Yeah, he's going to take the place of what Robert Foster was doing last year. I'd, by the way, a lot of people were really like excited about him going forward, and I, I don't see him as much other than a human nine route, personally. I don't think he's like very talented. I think he's just fast. And I think John Brown just has a little bit more of a complete route tree, and so he should just immediately push Robert Foster back uh, down the depth chart for a little bit until he can develop his routes a little bit better and become a more complete receiver. I Some people still like him, but I think, I don't think he's going to be relevant uh, next year at all in fantasy. Yeah, this signing, I think, most directly affects him, like you said, in a negative way because he and John Brown tend to have the same sort of strengths to their game. Um, You know, I I do like the fact that they brought in someone to kind of work the slot a little bit underneath uh, with Cole Beasley, who we're not going to necessarily talk about in detail, but I think they're building around Josh Allen, which I like a lot. Yeah, uh, Josh Allen, I think, stands uh, to benefit here. He got also Tyler Craft, uh, Tyler Croft, excuse me, uh, signed in for the tight end position, which I don't know. Maybe we could talk about that. But uh, he's getting some skill around him. I think they made some offensive line movements as well. I'd have to double check that. But uh, 
you know, they're doing their best to kind of surround their young QB with some talent, some weapons, and it's looking a little bit better for him. I think I can get behind him as a fantasy asset most uh, more than anything. Also, the uh, excellent veteran wisdom of a running back that we skipped over, Frank Gore, who deserves mm. to be skipped over from a yes. fantasy perspective. But the pills added him, too, which was quite funny. The year yeah, is 2028, and Frank Gore is still in the NFL. <laughs> he's still he's just trucking people. He's like he's about to retire like 65, like normal retirement age. He just assumes that's how it works even in the NFL. Um, yeah, he's still playing another year. That's incredible. Him and so so him and LaShawn McCoy are like a combined sixty eight years old or what what is it? Something like that? That's off the top of my head. Um I think a lot it's, of age uh, there. I think it's sixty six or something like that, but yeah. Oh, a lot of age in that backfield. And Chris Ivory, I think Chris Ivory is thirty four, so when you combine all of them, they're all, they're almost a hundred years old <laughs> between the three of us. Jeez. A century of running backs. That's incredible. That might be a record. Um Oh, well, I will nuts. tell you. I will tell you what is a record is Frank Gore and Lashawn McCoy's combined rushing yards. It's the most ever by a duo on the same team. Wow, that's cool. Yards. That's actually really. Yeah. That's really pretty cool. crazy. Yeah. All right, we got one more kind of interesting signing here. I know you guys are a big fan of this feller, so we'll go ahead and talk about him. Adam Humphreys is now a member of the Tennessee Titans. Four years, thirty-six million dollars. He's going to pair up with Corey Davis over there, Marcus Mariota. Uh, hopefully in- improve that offense a little bit. I know they need it. So as far as Adam Humphrey's value, what are your thoughts? Do you think this is going to be any better or worse than Tampa Bay was? I think late in the year last year, when you compare those numbers to what he's going to do in 2019, it might look like a bit of a downgrade because, you know, we talked about it a lot in season that Adam Humphreys was an every week must start. He was a wide receiver one for fantasy in a lot of those weeks. Mm. I know Okada loves that. Um, <laughs> but I think that his snap percentage and his ability to play every single down for the Titans is going to be there. Um, I think that he'll be able to earn in every week role in your lineup, probably as a wide receiver three flex type of player, at least initially until we see more from Marcus Mariota. I think the upside has probably downgraded a little bit, but I think the safety has increased a little bit with Humphreys. That's my opinion. Yeah, I mean, is he the best wide receiver on this team now? Yes, yes, he is. No, just kidding. But this is really going to depend on Marcus Mariota, which one of which one of you know what he is or has been or could be we get in 2019. Because if he finally puts together what he was drafted to be, which is a top level quarterback in the NFL, then I think Adam Humphries could have a great year. Uh, running alongside Corey Davis. If Mariota is the fingerless mess that he ha- was last year, uh, uh, Humphreys is going to have no value. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll chalk oh, that up boy. for things I didn't expect to hear Listen, today. Listen, if, um, if he can't feel them, then they're not there. That's science. <laughs> you might as well not oh, even have Oh, that's them. funny. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it, we're really going to have to kind of see it. It's going to be tough to decide where to draft Humphreys. He might even be a guy who's on waivers you know, in the first several weeks of your season. But then if we see him doing well with Mariota, he's worth a great ad. So we'll, we'll kind of see where he shakes out. I, I, I like to say, I think I know for a fact he's the second most talented wide receiver on this team. Taewon Taylor, a lot oh! of people have kind of been excited for him for a few years, and I, I just haven't seen it really, come, you know, like come to fruition. So I'm going to go ahead and say Humphreys is going to be the number two here, pretty locked in solidly. So, That's you know, good. maybe – 
kind of that PPR value he had last year. I could see that. Um, I don't think it's going to be flashy or anything exciting or um, anything like that. He might not hit wide receiver one ever again, but uh, he could be solid. So I'll keep an eye on him. He could be a, a nice late-round draft pick that ends up being a semi-reliable wide receiver three. That's kind of how I look at him right now. Sounds about right. Um, let's see. Any other fun? You know what? I just want to talk about this one just to get uh, bets going here. Did you hear about Mr. <laughs> Devin Funchess I knew this was signing with the Colts? <laughs> one year, $13 million. What a payday for just the outstanding wideout, huh? Would you agree Dang. with that, Bets? Good for him, man. I mean, last year I talked on this podcast about how the fact that I don't think he's a very good player in this league. But in all honesty, this is best case scenario for him. Uh, he gets a nice payday, almost as much as Le'Veon Bell's making in one year, by the way, which is fantastic. Ooh, that's Crazy. Rough. Um, but in all honesty, too, people are freaking out about the price tag. It actually kind of makes sense for the Colts. They are so under the cap that they almost have to just burn money and spend it. So if this was another team, there's no way he'd be getting $13 million, but they have money to blow and they have to do it. So that kind of makes sense. And Andrew Luck is his quarterback, and we've seen Dante Moncrief go there and actually be really productive as a wide receiver, too, in the red zone, catching touchdowns. So I wouldn't be shocked to see Funchess, who I don't like as a player. I don't think he's very skilled. I think his time in the NFL, his days are numbered. But in 2019, he could easily have seven or eight touchdowns and be on the fantasy radar some weeks. So um, I don't like the guy, but yeah, this is best-case scenario for him. Yeah, if if Eric Ebron can catch... 13 touchdowns in this offense. Devin Funches can catch enough to make him fantasy relevant. Uh, does anyone know? Did, do the Colts know? Is there a cap minimum? Because I think they might be near it. They don't. Yes. They haven't spent as much money as I really expected them to spend in this free agency period. So uh, I'm a little bit surprised. Funches, I think, is an okay supplement to T.Y. Hilton. I, I know that he's not the world's most exciting wide receiver. But like you said, if there's about – only a couple other spots I think that could have been any better. So it's a decent landing for him, and he could be relevant this year. I don't want him to be because I don't like him, but he <laughs> might be. So, um, yeah. And we have, you know, I'll tell you what, we have a few more receivers we could talk about on next week's show that are kind of in, in that similar vein. Real quick, uh, how about this? What tight end signing excited you the most? Um. <laughs> Let me insert a cricket noise here in post-production because pro- uh, there's not many. None yeah. of the above. I yeah. feel like yeah. I, I feel like one we could talk about is CJ uh, Uzama, if that's the correct pronunciation. Uzama is that is that right, Okada? Yeah, Uzama. Uzama, which uh, we we struggled with last year a little bit with his name. Um, he gets to stay in Cincinnati. I think some of us were hoping that Tyler Eifert would would stay there and, and get another chance. Um, but he's going to probably be their starter and earn that every down roll like he had last year. So I think that's good news for him. Um, he actually got a decent payday. What did he get? Three years, $18 six million. A mil- uh, so, six a year, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's decent for him. I think it at least puts him on the streaming radar for the tight end position in fantasy. And I hope um, they don't sign uh, Tyler Eifert because it sounds like they still are interested in bringing him back. So we'll, I guess we'll keep an eye out for that. But I like I agree, if, if they don't sign Eifert, then I think, CJ Uzama is a is a good choice here. I also hope they don't sign Tyler Eifert so that Eifert goes and signs with the Saints and makes our dynasty draft pick really good bets. There you go. <laughs> that would be awesome. Whoever um, signs with the Saints is going to be huge for fantasy. So keep an eye on, on that. Uh, 
A hundred percent, yeah. Uh, and as far as what I like in these signings, I know this is kind of illegal per Kent's rules of talking about the other effects, but Jesse James going to the Lions and Antonio Brown leaving makes Vance McDonald really interesting, I think, for 2019. Um, there's a, and Le'Veon Bell. All those targets that the Steelers are tip, typically rely upon are not going to be there. I mean, not not that Jesse James took up a ton, but from the tight end position, he was certainly splitting work with Vance. I think Vance McDonald's going to get a healthy share of targets, and he's shown some decent talent. So I think he's I think he probably ends up as a tight end one. It may be a low end tight end one, but I think he's draftable for sure. I completely agree. All right, well, I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead and throw a wrap on this show. Uh, those were the big names we saw signed in the free agency period this year going into the 2019 season. Very exciting stuff. Uh, we do have articles going up on the website now, Red, uh, redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. Go check it out. Uh, we also post the podcast episodes on there as well. If you want to listen back to one of those, uh, maybe go see how our predictions were from the uh, the pre-free agency episode. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I'm excited to hear there's more news coming out for sure. There's probably going to be more trades, more, uh, signings and stuff like that this next week and leading up to the draft even more. So as always, NFL football is a year round sport. Uh, we'll be here breaking all down for you guys. You got any, uh, anything else here? Um, I will tell anyone listening who has not noticed that you cannot find me at fantasy sensei anymore on Twitter. I'm at Matt Okada. So there you go. Signing off. <laughs> so professional. Yeah, you know, I'm expanding my horizons. Yeah, I did that uh, a couple years ago, too. I had mine was like CCNP underscore Kent, I think it was. Um, so, yeah, I'm just at Kent Wyrock now. Bets, what's yours? I'm not changing, man. I'm, I'm staying the same. I am at the <laughs> fantasy PT. <laughs> I wasn't trying to. I wasn't trying to get you to change. I just want to know what it was. Yeah, no, your your brand is you know important, so I like it. Yeah, yeah, I gotta I gotta stay on brand. Yeah, and uh, you can also find the podcast handle at Red Shirts FF Pod on Twitter. Uh, reach out to us. Let us know how you're feeling about everything so far with the free agents and all that. Um, thank you for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week breaking down some more free agencies as far as winners and losers. So. Thank you for listening. Once again, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at Red Shirts FF Pod and check out our website, redshirtsfantasyfootball.com.